WXVW, Indiana coverage right here on 1450 The Big X. Trevor Kelsey is not here today. We will see him tomorrow. Gary is here today. Gary, how are you, by the way? Happy Thanksgiving week to you. Well, thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving week to you. Very exciting. Happy time of the year. Uh, not just because friends, family, a day off at least, but a big-time sports week for U of L and big-time sports week for me. I got the Lions on Thanksgiving. We're rolling. We're feeling sky high after yesterday's comeback victory over the Bears. But we've got basketball today. We've got a huge football game that we will talk about throughout this week on Saturday against Kentucky. All sorts of stuff happening. So our schedule for this week, in case you're wondering, because I know that different radio stations do different things, different shows do different things. Today is obviously strange, the 2.30 to 3.30 show. Tomorrow and Wednesday, business as usual. 3 to 6, Trevor, assuming that he wakes up, will be here. It'll be a normal show. We'll talk about whatever happens in basketball today. I'm sure we'll talk more about the Miami game on Saturday in football. We'll talk about whatever happens overall in New York, what it means moving forward. And then we'll get you ready, start getting you ready for the Battle for the Governor's Cup on Saturday. We will be on the air on Friday. No show on Thanksgiving. Friday, though, we're doing a show. Three to six, normal, me and TK. So if you, I'm assuming you probably won't have to work. If you are and you want to listen to us, that's good. If you want to just get your pregame fix, listen to us live or on podcast. We're going to make that an option because, look, it's too damn big of a week to not be on the air on Friday. This is... I think it's going to be the most contentious week that we've had between Louisville and Kentucky fans. I think it's already off to a hot start today in a long time because Louisville feels like they should win this game. Kentucky feels like we've beaten you four in a row. We play in a better conference. Our schedule is tougher, all that good stuff. It's still not going to matter on Saturday. We've got you. So it's going to be a fun week, and I feel like we can't just, you know, we can't take the day off Thanksgiving this year. So we will be on the air on Friday. So normal shows every day but Thursday for the rest of the week, and we'll get you ready for the weekend ahead. I don't really know. I mean, we will take text today. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. It's kind of an odd situation for me because, you know, I, I want to get into the football stuff, but this is technically the pregame show, and I don't have, you know, Trevor's going to want to say things tomorrow, so I don't want to make sure that, I, I don't want to put us in a situation where I'm repeating myself too much tomorrow. But I will say, first of all, Louisville-Miami, I feel like it, it, it's strange to me because we've got Kentucky looming now, and then we've got the conference championship game looming. And then we've got bowl talk. You know, will it be the Orange Bowl against a, a superpower? Will it be something else? Could chaos still unfold in Louisville? Fall upward in the college football playoff rankings? Probably not at this point. I think that we haven't seen enough chaos yet. But there's still all these conversations out there. And it almost to me is we're not paying enough attention to what happened on Saturday. Because I think you can easily make the case that that was one of the more significant regular season victories in the history of Louisville football. They left nothing to chance. No, didn't need Clemson to beat North Carolina, even though they did. Didn't need to be rooting for other teams this weekend. They went ahead and locked it up. And in dramatic fashion, 10 wins now for the first time since 2013, just the seventh 10-win season in program history. Jeff Braun becomes the first coach in Louisville football history to win double-digit games in his first season. Bobby Petrino had the previous high with a 9-4 season back in 2003. All that stuff is possible because you went down and you went, you won in a place where you've never won before. Cards have been 0-6-1 all time in road games against Miami. They're 1-6-1 now thanks to a dramatic victory where, I mean, faced a lot of different things. There were several times in, in the first half and the second half where it looked like they'd lost momentum, where it looked like they just didn't have it. My, Tyler Van Dyke, for a, a large portion of that game, is slinging it a little bit better than Jack Plummer. And then Jeff Brom calls a masterful game every time we needed a big play. He seemed to draw up a different look. He got somebody open. Plummer, to his credit, made the throws. For all the, the, the nitpicking of Jack Plummer, and he did, the guy that I called out on Friday, Cam Kitchens, he made a huge play. It was the same It was the same exact play that we ran for the long 85-yard touchdown for Jamari Thrash against IU. We ran that same play, and it looked like Thrash was running wide open again. Plummer, maybe a second too late, maybe not enough air on the ball, whatever you want to say. Cam Kitchens makes a beeline, makes an incredible play, and picks that pass off. And Jack, I, I think for a little bit of time, let that get into his head. You can almost see the wheel spinning. And, and this is the downside. And to Sean McDonough's credit, he talked about it on the broadcast. This is the downside of having a quarterback who has had it drilled into him. Do not make a mistake. Do not make a mistake. Just don't make a mistake. Use your defense. Use the weapons around you. I think when that is so instilled in you at, at a certain point, you become a little bit, you become almost too nervous to take a chance. And that, you can't play quarterback like that. 
it has to be in your mind, but you also have to be willing to make some throws. You, you can't be hesitant. And I think you saw that in the red zone uh, on the possession where Louisville ultimately missed the chip shot field goal. He had Jamari Thrash wide open on the first play and just didn't make the right throw. He had Jimmy Callaway open on third down, didn't see it, threw the ball away. To his credit, though, Plummer overcomes those mental hurdles and in the fourth quarter plays a damn near perfect quarter. Six of seven throw passing. Didn't have to make a ton of tough throws, but made the ones that he needed to make. Got the ball in the right place at the right time and got it there accurately. Let his receivers do the work. Six of seven, 133 yards, and the two game-winning touchdown drives. He's been rewarded today as the ACC co-quarterback of the week. For all the talk about him just not being good enough, and can you imagine what this offense can do when it has a more capable quarterback moving forward, he's getting it done. He's the quarterback of a 10-1 team. All credit to him, all credit to Jeff Brom. I, I thought the, the move to bring Maurice Turner in at the end was masterful. Why not go ahead and go with the fresh legs? Turner can get it done. Garendo had been your guy. George Jordan definitely looks a step or two slow, which is unfortunate because he was so dynamic for the first seven games of the season. Garendo looked a little bit beat up as that game went on. The decision to go with to Maurice Plummer, kind of with the game on the line, needing a 85-yard touchdown drive to keep yourself in the game, was, was fantastic. Some of the screens that were drawn up, terrific. Jamari Thrash, clearly not 100%, but they still use him on the two-point conversion play. Get him in space. Let him just beat a dude one-on-one. Bam. And then Kevin Coleman, I think, listened to the radio show last week. Heard us talking about him not looking as fast, not looking like he had the burst that we thought he was going to, and promptly you know, wins another one-on-one battle in, in open field and turns the burners on and makes maybe the biggest play of the entire season. So Saturday, I, I saw some people that were like saying, you know, you gave him a Gatorade bath. You're going crazy with the boots in the locker room. Is that a little bit of an overkill? You've got a rivalry game coming up. You still got to play the conference championship game. I thought it was justified. Earning a trip to Charlotte, earning it outright, not having to win a tiebreaker, going seven and one in conference for the first time since 2016, and the, the only the second time ever since joining the ACC, beating a very talented Miami team that has been right there in every game that they've lost essentially the entire season, doing it on their home field doing it the way that we did it, I think warrants that type of celebration. And all the talk about Florida State, and, and we will have certainly more to say about Florida State as this week and next week go on, now without Jordan Travis, but even when they were at full strength, that's a, a Florida State team that, that same Miami team, they only beat by a touchdown, and they played them at home. I'm saying, more than a puncher's chance in Charlotte. But we got fish to fry here first. But UofL, I think the celebration was justified. I thought the like the defense, not their best day for certain, stepped up when they needed to, got the stops they needed to get to keep us in the game. Ashton Gelade uh, was held in check for most of the day, but still stepped up and made some big-time pass rushes at the, at the end of the game to put pressure on Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, you know, it's a depleted secondary. Trey Franklin goes out with a targeting call. It's still next man up. You're playing some guys that we haven't really heard that much about. Storm Duck makes some big plays late. Quincy Riley, I mean, throwing at him with the game on the line seems like an error in judgment. I know Miami fans thought it was a pass interference. It's not. If that's pass interference, then 90% of passes defended are pass interference. Don't throw at Quincy Riley on fourth down with the game on the line. What are you doing? Ridiculous. Idiotic. I thought TVD looked good, though. Tyler Van Dyke. And look, he's, he's a guy that's... The ACC loves incestuous transfers. He's probably going to be in the transfer portal. Maybe a guy that Louisville would look at. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, imagine those tools with an actual coaching staff that knows how to use them. Could work out pretty well. There'll be names. We'll get there. We'll get there. Like I said, fish to fry right now. We're focused on the present, and the present is pretty damn good. Louisville ten and one. I know that we, you know, we did the preview show a million times during the summer, and we talked about what needs to happen for this to be a good season. What needs to happen for it to be a great season? What do we realistically think might happen? And I, I know that we, look, I set the bar at eight and four is meeting expectations. Seven and five, you can say, eh, depending on how it happens, it could be okay. Six and six is, is a disappointment. Anything below that is clearly a disappointment. I thought nine and three was good. Anything better than that special season. We're already there. And we've got, you know, three more games to play. Ten and one, like I said, only the seventh time in program history that Louisville has produced a 10-win season. These types of things don't happen often. I hope that we're all fully just embracing what's taking place right now. I don't care about the schedule. You've still beaten – Matt McGavick posted the stats today. 
I mean, you still beaten a number of good teams, a number of bowl eligible teams. You play who's on your schedule. Louisville's done a pretty good job um, at taking care of business against good teams so far this year. They've beaten, if you look at the FPI, the ESPN metric, they've beaten three top 30 teams this year, four top 50 teams, six top 60 teams. It hasn't been the toughest schedule in the entire world. It's not murder's row, but it also hasn't been a, a, you know, 11 games against a group of five and, and, and FCS teams. They've played good opponents. They've beaten them. All there's to say. 10-1. and one, Let's embrace it. Let's get ready for UK again. Plenty more to talk about as the week goes on. Shifting gears to basketball really quickly. There's been a lot of surprising results in recent years when it comes to Louisville men's basketball. Almost all of those have been, I, I can't believe we're this bad type situations, which is depressing to talk about. Yesterday was the first time in a long time where I've been shocked in a positive way. And obviously it, it, we came narrowly so close to the most pleasant, shocking, positive of all time. But just to see that team play that way for 40 minutes, I haven't been that surprised in a long time. And I almost don't know what to do with it. I, I think like a lot of Louisville fans, I'm kind of waiting to see what, what today looks like. Because it wasn't just the fact that they, you know, only losing to Texas by one, losing on a last-second shot, Max Aspen makes an uh, unreal play with Scott Clark defending him about as well as he could possibly defend him. It, it doesn't matter if Texas played its D game. Just being in that position was a, was a shocker alone. But the way that it looked, Louisville fans, we've said this time and time and time again for the last couple of years. Louisville fans know basketball. Kenny Payne talks about the eye test. Louisville fans can, can give you the eye test. And the first three weeks that we've seen this team whether we're talking exhibition game or the first three games of the regular season, the team didn't come close to passing the eye test. There, the defense was abhorrent. The offense looked like they didn't really know what to do. The effort level waned for sure. We had a bunch of guys that were playing without any degree of confidence. Even beating Coppin State by 20. You watched that game and you thought, man, we're just not good. We're not good. We may win single digits again this year. And then... Again, again, it wasn't just that they played competitively with Texas. They looked like a competent basketball team. They looked like a, dare I say, good basketball team. Not a great basketball team, maybe, but a good basketball team. And it blew my mind. I don't know. The, the obvious answer when Kenny Payne comes out after the game and talks about, I've seen this for spurts in practice. I, I'm just encouraged that they can actually play this way for a little bit. I don't... It had to have been something more than that, right? Like, you just don't, teams just don't flip switches like that. It's not just like, well, we made, there was bonding on the plane ride to New York. There was bonding when we went out to dinner the night before the game in New York. What happened? Did they bring in some sort of consultant? Did Kenny Payne give the reins to somebody else for scouting? I, I just, they looked like an entirely different group. I hope it's not something as simple as they decided to play to the level, their level of competition because, again, we'll find out pretty quickly whether or not that was the case. But my goodness, Brandon Huntley Hatfield looks like a GD draft pick out there. He, he looks like the guy that we thought we were going to see for the last 18 months. Playing with confidence, knocking down outside shots, banging in the paint, going after rebounds, getting on the floor for loose balls. He looked incredible. Sky Clark is a hero in the final minute. If Louisville wins that game, all of a sudden you feel confident in every close game moving forward because Sky Clark, every time they needed a big shot, made a big shot. Trey White looked like the guy that we heard about all summer long. He's the best player. He's got on NBA scouts' radars. He's getting for late first, early second round draft buzz. Played like that guy for the first time. Tyler Johnson looked like an absolute difference maker. He looked like the quickest player on the floor, including Max Aismas, the Texas star who's been playing college basketball for 75 years. Got to the rim whenever he wanted to. I know a lot of people looked at the foul disparity and said, well, they, you know, we shot 25 more free throws in Texas or whatever it was. That's because they could not keep Tyler Johnson in front of them. He got They had no choice but to foul him. And even when he didn't finish around the rim and they didn't call fouls, guys got the rebound and, and were forced to foul on second chance opportunities. Tyler himself goes 10 of 12 with the stripe. Louisville 27 of 31 as a team. 
from the free throw line. And, and look, Texas, too, for its part, they only shot eight fewer free throws than we did. They got to the line a decent amount as well. The big difference was we shot seven of 16 from three. They shot two of 17. We had the same types of looks that we've been having, I think, through the first three games of the season. Sky Clark just knocked four of six down. Trey White hit one. Brandon Huntley Hatfield knocked one down in the, first, in the game's opening minutes. To me, today is the bigger test. Not that Indiana is a better team than Texas by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think they are. But I think that everybody, as excited as we got to watch what felt like Louisville basketball for two hours for the first time in maybe three years, we all want to know if it's the real deal. We all want to know if we can buy into this for the next four months. Because the first two weeks mm, looked a lot like last year. Did not look like Louisville basketball. And it's almost more frustrating to watch that team play yesterday and think, if they just give that level of effort and focus, they beat UMBC handily, they don't lose at home to Chattanooga by 10, and the Coppin State game doesn't look clunky in spurts. And they certainly don't lose an exhibition game to Kentucky Wesley. And just none of it makes sense. Indiana today, we'll talk more about them in the, in the second half hour here, looks beatable. They've played three kind of sleepwalk games over nobodies that they've won by single digits that they were all favored by double-digit points in. And then yesterday, they looked wildly overmatched by UConn. And look, UConn's really good. I think that we're not talking enough about them as the, the, a team that can repeat as national champion for the first time since Florida did it uh, in 06-07. But Indiana should not look 20 points worse than UConn. That, that was a final score that was fully indicative of just how dominant the Huskies were. My point is this. If Louisville plays today with the same level of focus and intensity and desire that we saw for 40 minutes yesterday against Texas, they should have a pretty good shot to beat Indiana. If they don't beat them, they should be right there in the game. And I think if that happens... If you, I'm not saying Louisville has to win today. But if we're talking about what could make this a, a four-month span ahead that is far more fun than any of us were imagining just 48 hours ago. If they're in this game today and it passes that same eye test again, they look just like a competent basketball team for the second straight day. I think you can get your hopes up a little bit. You, you're not guaranteed that this is going to be a team that can win 8, 9, 10 games in the ACC, but maybe. Like, like we could have a, a season that leaves us all feeling better than we thought. If the opposite happens, if it winds up being pretty clear that yesterday was just kind of a fluky deal, we come back and, and zombie basketball has returned, and Indiana, who again is not a great team, runs away from us, boat races us, they're ahead from start to finish, it's not really ever close, then I think you go back to thinking, okay, this is a group that maybe can steal a game or two over somebody they've got no business beating because we saw them do it against Texas. Maybe they'll get up for the bigger games, but for the most part, we're going to sleepwalk through the season. We're going to lose a couple more non-conference games. We're going to you know, maybe win five, six games, seven games in the ACC, but at the end of the day, we're not really going to flirt with being even a 500 basketball team. And then we're probably going to have a decision to make, and, and hopefully that decision is moving in a different direction. I think we find that out today. Because if this team is serious about, if yesterday was a light bulb moment, both mentally and with whatever was taking place on the floor, we should be able to see it two days in a row. If they're mature enough now that they've bought into the system that Kenny Payne is preaching and the system actually works, and we saw the fruits of that labor finally pay off yesterday, then we should see it again today. You've had 24 hours. Your mindset should not change that dramatically. I know that losing the way that they lost was an absolute gut punch. But they should still feel comforted in the way that they played. This was a nationally televised game, holiday weekend, start of a holiday week. And not only did they not embarrass themselves, they became like the biggest story in college basketball yesterday. The fact that Louisville looked like Louisville again and damn near pulled off what would have been one of the bigger point spread upsets in the entire season. They were 17 and a half point underdogs. Even despite the loss, they rose 30 spots in Ken Palm. Up to 144 now. They're just an eight-point underdog today against Indiana. I think that line has dropped to seven and a half or seven points. 
Today is the bigger test for me. I want to know that it was real. Because as into it as I got, as familiar as it felt to be living and dying with every dribble of a Louisville basketball game on Thanksgiving weekend, on a neutral floor, on national TV against a top 25 opponent, there was always that little voice in the back of my mind that was like, how much faith do I really have that this is going to be something that continues? How much faith do I really have that this is going to be what we see for the next four months? Because Lord knows we didn't see it for the first three games. And I just don't, I don't get why. If they had this in them, why were we not seeing this from night one? Why did it take two weeks to see it? Somebody said, uh, sent me, an, I think they were being serious, sent me a message talking about how we did what we did in our first three games of the regular season on purpose. We didn't want Texas to have any film on us. We wanted to surprise them. We weren't going to, sh- you don't show teams what you've got. And I, I mean, like, you don't lose games at home to SOCON teams by 10 points just to potentially have a shot at knocking off a top 25 opponent in New York. It, it, it's It's absurd. I don't think that that's what was taking place, but it's at least it's an explanation. At least somebody's trying to explain what's happened to this team through the first four games of the season because nothing else seems to make any sense. I just don't get how you can look the way that we looked against UMBC, Chattanooga, and Coppin State, and then turn right around and play step for step with a Texas team that, look, I mean, am I sure they're going to be a top 20 team? No, but on paper they should be. There's no reason for them not to be. They returned a couple of key pieces from a team that was probably Final Four bound last year if they didn't have to deal with some adversity and still damn near made a Final Four. They brought in two of the better transfers in the country. Like That roster says they're top 20 good. Maybe they don't wind up being, but they certainly look like they, they have that level of talent. And look, we were right there with them. Now, it, it was not perfect. There were still some bad defensive lapses where we just left the uh, Caden Shedrick wide open for dunks. There were some bad mistakes coming out of timeouts. There were some really good plays coming out of timeouts, though, too. And the officiating down the stretch, yes, I, I lost my damn mind uh, with some of these calls. Uh, Brandon Huntley Hatfield's fifth foul was egregious, r- a ridiculous call. If anything, it was a travel. The not calling a foul when Tyler Johnson just got ran over with one second still on the shot clock and instead calling it a shot clock violation, I thought was criminal. That should have been two free throws for a guy who was 10 of 12 from the, the free throw line up to that point. But... Louisville could have helped himself a little bit more in the last couple of minutes. Sure, it was not perfect, but it was the best we've seen in two years. There's not a close second. I mean, somebody asked the question last night that I was texting, maybe Trevor, who was like, is this the best Kenny Payne performance that we've seen? I was like, there's not a close second. And I know it feels bad to say that after a loss, but what would you say is a close second? Beating Clemson last year by 10? Sure. That was fun. That was impressive. But it was a Clemson team that did not play well in that game that didn't even and didn't even wind up making the NCAA tournament. We also had the benefit of playing with the 2013 celebrations and all that good stuff happening. This was a neutral floor against a top 20 team coming off a regional final appearance a year ago. And we were coming off of three really shaky games to start the season. And 81-80. Last second shot. The Ace, I mean, the, the Ace Smith shot was unreal. Sky Clark could not have defended it better. We should have won the game. We should have won the game. We should be playing UConn tonight for a, a, a in-season championship, which seems insane to say. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We'll take a couple of texts from you guys. I know that the uh, probably the broader listenership is, is not clued in to the fact that we're on at 2.30, but that's fine. Some text from you guys. <laughs> TJ says, wow, Scoot's guaranteed you were not on the air today. What an unpleasant surprise. Go Pack, go Cats. Little Howard isn't going anywhere. Thank you, TJ. We, I, should, I meant to mention this at the very beginning. Trevor now has just discovered that we're on the air right now. So Trevor is just now finding out that he's waking up at 240. is biting him uh, in the ass once more. There's a Scoots-Trevor bet for this, this game today. That's a huge deal. I'm sure they talked about it on KRC today. If Louisville beats Indiana, you will have Scoots on the show on Wednesday and not Trevor. If Indiana beats Louisville... Trevor will be doing all of the shows on Wednesday, essentially. He'll be doing, he'll get up with KRC in the morning. He'll do Spears on Sports. He'll do Matt Dennison. And then he'll do our show from three to six. So you will have a very sleepy Trevor Kelsey on the day before Thanksgiving. It's a bad bet for him. And it is the second year in a row where I think he's been lured into a bad bet against Scoots. One, they didn't do any odds. Indiana's an eight point favorite in this game. They're betting it straight up. Two, 
I mean, Trevor has to do every single show if he if he loses. And like Scoots already does like three shows anyway. Scoots is used to this. Scoots, Scoots is you know, it's in his DNA. It's in his blood. He's used to working these long hours. Trevor's not. Trevor's used to again waking up at two forty every day, driving in here and then talking for three hours and then going home and, and you know doing nothing. It's a much tougher ask of him. Scoots has also done like this 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 lineup two of the last three weeks, two or I guess two weeks in, in the last month and a half. He's used to it. He's built for this. Trevor's not built for this. So it's gonna and plus it's the day before his favorite holiday of the year. I, I think Trevor got lured into a bad bet, but hopefully Louisville wins. So Trevor can get an extra day off. We will be on the air. It'll be me. It'll probably be Trevor if we lose. It'll definitely be Scoots if we win. So that's all you need to know. We'll take more texts after the breaks. 502-414-1450. We will stay on the air here on WXVW. We're off the air on WGTK. You'll turn things over to Louisville. Mike Rutherford Show, Monday edition here on 1450 The Big Welcome back in. It's the second and final segment of the show today. Very short edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. It's also the UofL Indiana pre-pregame show. If you're listening here on uh, 1450 The Big X, you've got Indiana coverage coming your way in about 26 minutes at 3.30, getting you ready for tip-off at 4.30 between the Cards and the Hoosiers. ESPNU will have the TV coverage. This is what I, I love. So this is the second time that we've had a big bet between Trevor Kelsey and, and Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus. And this is the second time where they have, I don't think they've talked about the actual parameters of the bet or they haven't settled on the parameters of the bet. I, I told you before the game, before the, the segment break. If Louisville beats Indiana, Trevor basically gets the day off on Wednesday. If Indiana beats Louisville, Trevor's going to have to work all the shows. That's what I was told. Trevor texted in during the break and just said, actually, if IU wins but doesn't cover, I only do KRC. They have to cover for me to do the other shows. Scoots then texted in during the break and just said, it's just KRC and Rutherford on the line for the outcome. So I, I don't... They need to get together on this. It sounds like if if Louisville wins today, Scoots is definitely doing the show on Wednesday. If IU wins, but Louisville keeps it closer than than 8.5 points or 8 points, whatever it is right now, We'll have Trevor. I don't. I. I can't even keep track. We'll. We'll have Trevor, but he won't have to do the the middle shows. So I guess he'll get more sleep. Ah, who knows? Anyway, happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving week. We're we're excited. We'll take some more texts here at five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. If you're just joining us, if you're, if you're looking for the usual show, you didn't see the announcement. I, I posted it on Twitter, but I get that not everybody is on Twitter. We were on from two thirty until three thirty today. WXVW and fourteen fifty for the last half hour. Just Big X to, uh, for this half hour as we turn things over to the U of L coverage on WX uh, WGTK seven ninety nine seventy. Good lord, I can't. I cannot keep it's a lot of radio stations around here. We're trying to keep track of. You will be able to hear Louisville, Indiana, the coverage from the home team from the Cardinals on nine seventy WGTK. You hear the Indiana coverage right here on fourteen fifty the Big X. We talked a little football. We'll talk a lot more football tomorrow when we have standard radio show hours three to six with Trevor Kelsey back here. Talked a little Louisville, Indiana. We'll clearly talk about uh, you know what happened in both these games in New York on tomorrow's show. But we'll take some text from you guys. You guys want your thoughts in fourteen fifty the Big X. It's fine. Texture says, "I hate to be that guy, but the ACC did not want us to win that game on Saturday. You can't officiate a game like that and claim you weren't biased in your directions. They wanted UNC and Charlotte. I'm not going to go that far. I mean, I, I think that there were look Miami fans thought that they got hosed." It wasn't quite like the Virginia game two weeks ago, where I think that we both, like both sides, Virginia and Louisville, were like, "Yeah, we probably got, we've probably got a few calls there." We got away with some. I think they got away with some. They're all up in a tizzy about the Quincy Riley play on fourth down, which I don't think was even close to being pass interference. But there were a couple of other things that were a little iffy that went our way. I think there were some definite things that went their way that were iffy as well. I think it was mostly just an incompetent officiating staff. Period. Like they. They reviewed everything besides things that they probably should have been reviewing. They were wrong on, I mean, the dude tried to give us a first down when we were two 
full yard short, and they reviewed it and had to, to move it back. Like it, it was just, I don't think they knew what they were doing at, at all. It was just, it was bad both ways. 502-414-1450. Texas says, glad to hear your unbridled optimism about the b-ball team on Sunday. Kenny, let's not make it weird. Ken Palm says, IU by five. I say cards by six. Look, if Louisville wins today, I, I think you start having a real conversation about what this team is capable of. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't think that it, it makes the first two weeks of the season that much more confusing. There was definitely a part of me, like 95% of me yesterday watching this was like, oh my God, this is great. I, I, I feel like I'm living and dying with UofL basketball again. This is tremendous. It feels the way that it should. It feels the way that it has for most of my life. And there was 5% of me that was kind of mad and like, I, why, why haven't we seen anything resembling this for the first three games of the season? Because if we'd seen anything resembling this, one, we're three and zero. Two, all of the you got to fire Kenny Payne now. All the rumors about Kenny Payne, all that stuff, is out the window. And instead, we're like getting excited about the New York trip and seeing what we've got. I just don't understand how it could look so not just. I mean, it was it looked like a different team. Everything was different. Everything was different. And now I'm very curious to see if everything looks different again today, or if we get. The same performance we saw yesterday. If we play the same way that we played yesterday against Indiana today, we're going to win the game. I feel confident in saying that. Indiana is not a terrible team, but they're not a world beater either. Xavier Johnson, the pit transfer who back in the day had some very, very good games against us and had a good year for IU a season ago, is dinged up. He had you know, a broken foot that, that hurt him last year. He then sprained an ankle against Wright State in one of their first games this year. He only played 14 minutes against UConn yesterday. Has not looked like himself. I mean, this Indiana team, you think about IU in recent years being, you know, having some really good guards, some really good guard play. This is definitely a front court driven team so far. They've got Khalil Ware, the Oregon transfer, who's a seven footer inside. I mean, he will be the most talented big man that we faced. And I know Shadrick yesterday for Texas did a lot of good things for him, for them. I think he's not quite as naturally gifted as Khalil Ware is, where he's averaging 16 and a half points and nine and a half rebounds per game. Plus, it's just going to be fun to see. Two seven-footers battling for the first time this season. We'll see. I mean, Dennis had some moments yesterday. He also had some moments where he got exposed. This will be a, a big test. But their second-best player this year has been Malik Renault, the sophomore who seems to have taken a, a gigantic leap forward. 6'9 forward, scored at least 14 points in every game. He was the one Hoosier who yesterday did not look out of place against UConn. 7-9 from the field, 18 points, looked like he belonged. And then their backcourt has been where they've struggled this year. Johnson's definitely hurt still. Trey Galloway is kind of a glue guy. You know, he's a guy that's going to get you 10 points a game. He can knock down the outside shot occasionally, makes the right play, but isn't a superstar in terms of just natural ability. He can't beat you on his own. He's a guy that plays off of the guys around him. And as a result of their guard issues, Indiana does two things really poorly. And it's the two areas that I think have led to them only beating bad teams by single digits and then losing to UConn by 20. They don't shoot the ball well. They're 306th in the country in three-point shooting percentage, 26.4%. And they don't rebound that well. They're they're not getting a ton of offensive rebounds. They're allowing um, too many offensive rebounds. We're a very good offensive rebounding team. If there's one thing that we've done well, even before yesterday, it, it's rebound well off of misses and gains second-chance opportunities. This is an opportunity for Louisville, I think, to earn an advantage on the board and for a second straight day, outscore a team from beyond the arc. Now, having said that, IU's probably liable to come out and knock down like 11 threes today, but the numbers don't say that they should. It's a team that if Louisville comes out, if they play the way they did yesterday, I feel confident saying this, they'll win today. And if they don't win, they'll at least be right there in the final minutes again. And if they get blown out or if they lose by 15 and it's never really that close, I think it's just an indication that, eh, yesterday was kind of them just living in the moment, maybe Texas being a little bit overrated, and it was it was fool's gold. And we're going to see the season play out the way that we were fearing a couple of days ago. Texture says, Greg Popovich, got to make him say no. There's the got to make him say no, guys. Suggestion for the day. Thank you. Texas says, uh, I'm going to need the b-ball team to win today because IU isn't very good, and if we are going to have any hope for this season, this is a must-win. If we get beat handily, we can go back to candidates talk tonight. I still hope, but obviously don't expect KP to turn it around, so get the victory tonight cards. And lastly, keep TVD away from my team. You're crazy. I'd rather have the young guy from BC. I also like the young guy in Kansas. I mean, if you're talking about the Jayhawks, I think Wright State, wrong program if you're looking for a potential quarterback for next year. But we have plenty of time to get there. Plenty of time to get there. Plenty of time to talk about that. I think you're right on the first point. I think this is everybody 
I think everybody is encouraged by what happened yesterday. Everybody wants to see more than just one game to back it up before we really believe. I did see a little bit of like, you know, people doing the whole, you know, you guys all apologies to Kenny Payne. I think it's a little bit too early for that. They played one good game in, in two years. Let's see them put string a couple of games together. It, it still just doesn't explain to me how you can lose to Chattanooga by 10 and really look like you were the inferior team for that entire game and then be the same team that just eight days later is coming out and going shot for shot with the number 19 team in the country. I want to I want to believe I, I need to see it today because they haven't had enough time to kind of shake off that performance. If they came here with the right mindset, that right that right mindset should still be instilled in them less than 24 hours later when they're playing a, a game two. Texas, have you heard anything behind the scenes? Maybe they changed two scouts. I don't. I'm not, like I'm dying to know what took place. It, it, it can't just be something as simple as it took them. You know, the the three days between Coppin State and leaving for New York to gel. I just don't. Something had to have changed. I I just don't get it. But I don't know. Texas, I live in Texas. I had a guy at the gym this morning come up to talk to me about the game from yesterday. I was not even in a Louisville shirt today. I mean, it, first of all, it's shocking that somebody in Texas would come up to you and talk about basketball in November, but that's that's cool. That's impressive. I, I mean, you saw, I said this in the last segment, Louisville became the biggest talking point in college basketball yesterday. Now, part of that was it wasn't a, a loaded schedule, but Louisville almost winning that game was a bigger story than anything else that took place. Because it was a, you know, it, for one, it was nationally televised. People were interested to see Texas for the first time. Texas had played three nobodies. They hadn't been on national TV. It's a team that went to the Elite Eight last year. Has some Final Four buzz going into this season. And it was kind of, you know, there wasn't really any big competition in, in just college basketball. You're playing on NFL Sunday, so nationally it's going to get lost in the shuffle, of course. But all the college basketball people were like, they said the same thing that we did. All these people that have been like, Kenny Payne's a disaster. He's got to go. This just doesn't look right. We're like, it It looked right. I don't know what happened, but it like they looked like a, dare I say, good basketball team for 40 minutes. And now we've got to see if it's a fool's gold or not. Texas, what, do you th- what did you think of the ridiculous comments from Jay Williams? Jay Williams is not good. Said it before, say it again. We'll say it a million times. I, some of the things that he, he says it with such conviction, too, and he's just it's obvious stuff that he's just made up. Like the, He went on a whole spiel about how like, J.J. trainer has got to get bought into the system, and, you know, he just kind of wants to do his own thing. I'm like, J.J. is the one guy who, the last few years, the coaching staff have talked about, like, he's, like, he, he wants to do what we tell him. Like, like he's bought in, and uh, you clearly just haven't talked to the right people, or you're just making stuff up when you say that. I get that you look at him, and you're like, well, he's, he's big, he's athletic, and he can shoot. Clearly, like, something's not working for him, and maybe it's just the attitude, and I think that that's, you know, that's just silly. There was a lot of, he also, like, he gets caught up in, making a point, and then when replay shows something else, he's one of those guys that just refuses to not double down. Like, he went crazy about the the not getting back on, on one play. Like, oh, four guys were just walking down the court, and then the replay showed that two of them actually ran into each other, and the other two really had no shot. It was like, you know, that was, you thought you saw something, you really didn't, and then you kind of went a little bit overboard. I thought that some of the things that he said were not great. But Carl Ravage is great. I enjoy Rav. Texas Mike is, uh, I'm so confused about the b-ball team, but I'm ready for an orange bowl. It sucks that Jordan Travis got hurt. Now we won't get that respect when we beat them, and we have to beat them to go to the orange bowl now. Go cards. Maybe. I mean, that's it's a good point. I mean, if Florida State still has a game this week that people will judge them on, but assuming that they beat Florida, even without Travis, there is a very realistic possibility that them being 13-0 could not get them into the playoff. We'll see with the, the CFP rankings tomorrow if Washington jumps them, but it, it seems plausible. They also, I, I saw that some of the early lines, the, the first ones that came out when the matchup became official between us and FSU, had them as a nine and a half point favorite, and those lines have since, since dropped to six and a half. But look, a lot of questions about the quarterback. Some FSU fans are talking about, I mean, he, the dude's got a cannon. There's no question about that. But FSU fans are, are some of them are saying he's a better pocket passer. Then, uh, then Jordan Travis, this um, Tate Rotomaker who we saw last year come in and, and kind of light us up and save their game. Um, who knows? Who knows? I mean, he's, he's certainly capable, and they've still got playmakers all over the field. But yeah, there's a possibility that it, we could lose the ACC title game. Florida State could go 13-0. and 
they would get left out of the playoff. They would then go to the Orange Bowl, which would knock us out of that, which would just suck. So, uh, one, we're big FSU fans this weekend. We want them to go ahead and take care of business and at least leave the door open for the playoff. Two, if we want to go to the Orange Bowl, if we want to make sure that there's you know no doubt about it, we've got to win the ACC title game. So, destiny still in our own hands. Texas says, I, I thought that we were in a safe place here. Why did I just hear a Genesis Diamond ad? I don't know. You're fine. Texas said, I need Trevor to sing that like John Mellencamp. I don't even know what that means. Hurt so good. Come on, Kenny, make it hurt so good. Sometimes games don't go like they should, but this one hurt so good. The, the ace miss shot, I know it was well defended. I know that he had not had a good game. I would assume that a lot of you listening were like me and just knew it was going in. I don't even think I reacted. There was no, like, I heard, I watched the game down in the basement. Mary, we were going over to my brother's for uh, my nephew's birthday party afterwards. So she was, like, getting the kids ready. I was watching the end of the game in the basement, and I heard her, like, yell when it happened. But, like, I, I just had no reaction. I had accepted it. The moment that they, I even put the, the Michael Scott uh, image on, on Twitter, right when they gave them the ball, I was like, no doubt about it. I'm ready to get hurt again. I knew it was going to happen. Knew it. Didn't change the overall vibe of the game. I, I I was gutted for the kids because they deserved to have something good happen to them. They've been through a lot. They hear the noise. They know what people are saying. I, I felt terribly for them. I, I still was encouraged by the effort, but I, I wasn't shocked. I knew, I knew it was going to go in. Texas, it's nice to hear Louisville sports being talked about without Trevor changing the subject every 10 seconds. People always do this when Trevor's gone, and then after you get like three or four days of it, people want Trevor back. Absence just makes the heart grow fonder. Not initially, but after a few days. Time removes those thorns from the rose, and you just want Trevor back. Texas, did I miss something? I just turned the show on. It just started, and it's about to end. Yeah, we were 2.30 to 3.30 today. Try to get the word out there. I understand if you didn't catch it. We're, uh, at least we're on it. Initially, we didn't think we were going to be on at all. And that was the other thing that kind of sucked about the, about the, uh, the you know, Louisville not winning last night is Indiana had already lost. So we knew that we were not going to be on the air. We, we didn't think we were going to be on the air at all because IU pregame was going to start at 3.30. And, you know, Louisville winning would have done nothing to change that. We still would have had the IU game here. We wouldn't have been able to do the show. We we're going to get a day off regardless. So it was like we didn't even have the extra benefit of, of well, you know, Louisville lost, but now we don't, you know, we don't have to work. It was, it was just a, it was a double whammy yesterday. Uh, Scoot says, read the rest of my text. Said the same as Trevor. Okay, so th- they are on the same page. If... If Louisville wins, Scoots is doing all the shows on Wednesday. If Indiana wins and covers, Trevor's doing all the shows on Wednesday. If Indiana wins but doesn't cover, Trevor will just do KRC, and then he'll do our show as well. So, there you go. Texas, I missed the feeling of something watching with watching Cards basketball. Uh, a feeling something with watching Cards basketball. Hated the result. Loved the game. That butterfly feeling. It did. I mean, we, we talked about it on the podcast we did last week. Think about in any other year outside of the last two, how excited we would have been about like this weekend, playing Texas, potentially playing UConn, the reigning national champs, top five team, Madison Square Garden, New York, national TV, Feast Week, all that good stuff. Like These were the early season events that we lived for. I mean, instead, you had no hype going into this weekend. You had last year the embarrassment in Maui, which was Maui field this year is is stacked. Last year's field was great as well. It it felt like we just wasted these opportunities. And and then the game actually happens, and it does feel like it used to feel when you would watch these games. It reminded me a little bit of Chris Mack's first year when we went up to the Barclays and and played Tennessee, who was preseason top five, I want to say. They were definitely top ten. And played a really competitive game that was back and forth and just lost in the final seconds. Then we lost that the third place game to Marquette the next day when they took a three away from Jordan War that was he was clearly behind the three point line and we ended up losing in overtime, I think. But like being competitive in those games made us confident that that team could be way better than anybody thought they were going to be. The the difference there was we hadn't lost a game to a, a Chattanooga type opponent. We'd looked the way that we thought that we were going to look before those two games. And this team's kind of on a different plane. But it reminded me of that, where it was like, oh, this is way more fun than I thought it was going to be. But it was just, I mean, it was it was way more shocking than those games in the MAC first season. Because it just came out of nowhere. But it was great. I hope we get a repeat coming up here in about an hour. Texas, look at Fish's reaction after Mike didn't believe in him. I, I know. I, I will never doubt Jed Fish again. I, I, 
Arizona's winning out. Whoever they play, I will I will ride with Arizona. I've been criticizing Trevor for betting against him the last three weeks, and then I did the same thing last week, and he blew out Utah. It was bad. Texas, they can say all they want about that fourth down play. On every Miami run play, they were holding the bleep out of us. They tightened, the tight end got away with practically tearing Storm Ducks jersey off in that pancake block. TD. Yeah, it was that, that was terrible. They also, like, the one that was the most egregious to me was Miami's kickoff return before that touchdown. There was a dude who was like, in frame, holding the entire time, and, like, jerseys stretched out, like, wouldn't let go. And I was like, it was one of those things where, like, as the return's happening, I'm like, I'm not even paying attention to this because I know they're going to throw a flag there. It was the most blatant holding I've ever seen in my entire life. And they didn't. It wasn't a huge return. They, the kid only got out to like the, the 26, 27. But I was like, if they're not, if they're not going to throw a flag on that, then they're just not going to throw a hold the entire game. I thought we also got late hit twice very early in the game. There was the, the on Maurice Turner's kick return, that kicker like drove him out of bounds like seven yards and then kind of went down. That was a little bit borderline. And the very next play, Garendo gets drugged down. They almost slam his head against the turf. Like I thought that was, I thought those were two plays that easily could have been flagged that didn't. And there was some the the the, the recruiting crew was just inept, all the way around. Texas Kentucky plays a losable game tonight, and the crowd is going to be dead silent until we get down eight. I'm assuming that's a KRC text. I don't think that's a losable game for them. St. Joe's is not good. St. Joe's just lost to somebody terrible. Texas shout out to Scott Satterbrain and at Cincy, Mr. Piggy at Useless K, and the prodigal son Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom, look, Saturday was a good day for Jeff Brom his hopes of, of winning national coach of the year because you had the, the James Madison coach. I, I think you were going to have a lot of people that kind of felt sorry for them. Everyone agrees that the NCAA rule is dumb. That keeps them out of the conference championship game. That keeps them out of playing for a bowl game that would theoretically keep them out of the playoff this year. If they had gone undefeated, I think you would have seen a lot of love for him, but you know, them losing in overtime to app state at home on a day when college game day was there probably hurt his chances. If Louisville goes, 12-1. and one. If they beat Kentucky this weekend and then win the conference championship game, I think that there's a very real chance that Jeff Brom could win National Coach of the Year. I would, I would assume that he's going to have ACC Coach of the Year locked up. Keep in mind, you know, the, the Coach of the Year awards, they typically go to the biggest overachievers, and if there's not a gigantic overachiever, then that's when they kind of give the award to, oh, you were picked third in the country preseason, but you went 13-0. Here you go. Louisville was picked eighth in the ACC going into this year, which... It felt silly at the time. It feels even more dumb now. But Jeff Brom not only has been, from a record standpoint, the second best coach in the ACC, but he's been clearly the biggest overachiever in the conference. Eighth to second, seven and one, only lost to Pitt somehow. I think that he's locked up for that award. I think if it go twelve and one, he's going to win the national coach of the year. Texas thoughts on Jay Williams sparking rumors that DJ is thinking about transferring to U of L after the season. It seems crazy to me. I think that was just a I think people are. If you listen to it, it was not nearly as serious as people are making it out to be. There's no. I don't think there's <laughs> DJ Wagner's not playing college basketball next year. It's not happening. I know he hasn't looked great, but he's he could look this way for the entire season, and he's gonna he's gone. Texas, have you booked your hotel for Charlotte yet? I wish. Still an outside shot. I can make the trip, but probably not. Texas, uh, did Kenny seem angry at the end of the press conference when they asked about Karan Davis again? Do we know that he wasn't ritually sacrificed to get last night's performance? The Karan Davis thing remains very strange. He did not make the trip to New York. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, clearly, Kenny doesn't want to talk about it. They keep maintaining that he's not in trouble. I don't. I mean, I don't know why. How you can not be in trouble and just not be around the team? But I, who knows? I, I, I don't know what's going on around. Can we go ahead and expect Mbako to post a triple-double? That's the Yeah, we have not mentioned his name so far today. This feels like the perfect time for Mackenzie Mbako to stop looking like a deer-in-the-headlights freshman and start looking like the guy that everyone was talking about being the next coming. He has not done much for Indiana so far this season. He looked lost in the shuffle against UConn yesterday. He played a decent amount of minutes, played... Uh, Played 23 minutes, had two points, only took three shots, missed all three of them. His best game was against Wright State after Xavier Johnson got dinged up with that ankle injury, scored 13 points, but still was just three of nine from the field. He's not doing a ton. Yeah, this would feel like the breakout game for him. Of course it would. Um, Texas is not keep Trevor away. No, Trevor's, Trevor's back tomorrow. It's going to be fine. Texas, damn, I missed the show and it's almost over. I'm sorry, dude. It, look, we got a whole week. We're, we're here for you extra on Friday. We're here tomorrow. We're here Wednesday, normal hours. 
We're off Thanksgiving, and then we're back on Friday. It's going to be great. Texas at ESPN Heisman House truck spotted on 64 heading west towards Louisville. Scripts in for Joey Gatewood to have his Heisman moment this weekend. Joey Gatewood. We're going to talk about him tomorrow. I love the anecdotes during the broadcast about how NFL scouts are asking about him. You can see why. Super big, super athletic, great hands. Is just learning the tight end position. Started playing it just to get, you know, I mean, for us at least a couple months ago. And what we talked about as a potential possibility going into the season has happened. They've brought him along slowly. They're using him more in the offense. And we saw him make a gigantic impact in the game on Saturday. Texas, it was yesterday the first Zan Payne appearance lost. Did you freak out also seeing him in the first half? I did. Uh, I don't know why he was out there, but we are now one and one with two solid performances with Zan Payne back. Texas, Jay Williams got hacked on that comment. He did. Texas, Mike, I need, I need you to be worried about all of our games. I, look, I, I'm, I'm going to be worried about Saturday. I feel semi good about it, but I'm still definitely worried. It's UK. The last four games, the last four games, it's going to be hard to get over it. All right, let's, uh, we can wrap things up with a little prediction here. Louisville, Indiana, 4.30 tip-off. You can hear it on 970 WGTK. You can watch it on ESPNU. I th- I've got n- – <laughs> let me clarify, just lay the foundation here. I've got no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea what team we're going to see. I'm so confused by what took place yesterday. Pleasantly surprised, but confused, definitely. If Louisville plays the way that they did yesterday, they'll be right there. Dare I say they, they would – have a very real chance of winning this game. If they play like they did the first three games and the exhibitions, they'll probably lose by 10 to 20 points. I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to say Louisville, again, looks like the team that we saw for most of yesterday. They come up just short. I'm going to say IU wins this thing by four, but we're still talking about an encouraging weekend in New York. Enjoy the game. Let's get it done. We're back tomorrow, 3 o'clock here on 1450 and 96.1. Big X, go Cards, beat IU.